Hey, podcasters. Before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. And I encourage you to speak up on your podcast as well. Take care and spread the word. Subscribing to a podcast should lead to frictionless listening. That's true for present and future episodes, but what about those from the past? It may be time for us to move past our one-size-fits-all approach to feed management. Hello and welcome to another Podcast Pontifications with me, Evo Terra. This is not about getting rid of RSS feeds. This is about better ways to utilize RSS feeds to keep the friction low for podcast listeners. I know I've been one of the voices saying, maybe it's time for us to move past RSS feeds, but we're not there yet. That's not the conversation today. Today, I want to talk about what we have, how we do it, and that's with RSS feeds. And RSS feeds are wonderful. I really, really like them. If it wasn't for RSS feeds, podcasting wouldn't be podcasting. We'd just be putting audio files upon the internet and hoping people would listen. But as we all know, the magic of an RSS feed is, as I said previously, it lowers the friction. It enables a very simple way for people to, number one, get content, and then number two, listen to that content. Now, of course, the feed in and of itself doesn't do that. You have to connect the feed to something, most likely a podcast listening app. Once someone is subscribed to the app, as we know, they're going to get the content. And then within that app, it is very simple for them to press play. Great. Very great for current episodes and also great for future episodes. It's frictionless. The content will show up on their device and with a single click, they can listen. Great. But what about the archive? What about the back catalog? You could argue that it's all there in the feed and that with just a little bit more friction, they can, they, the listeners, can get and consume that content. And that's true to a point. But take this show, for example. I have 300, I think there's 307, 307 different episodes. That's more than the feed can handle. Maximum feed size inside of Apple Podcasts, at least, is 300. A feed can be as long as a feed needs to be. But the act of going back and listening to those old episodes is anything but frictionless. Yet it happens from time to time. So I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking lots of weird thoughts. On Monday, I talked to you about ways maybe we should recategorize things, and why doesn't, why don't the podcast apps make it easier for us to categorize? And that's that's kind of a high-minded thing. But today is more of a real thing, a real way we can fix this. 
Now, I want you to think about it from a couple of different perspectives. Let's think about a library. Whenever the last time you walked into a library was, but at some point in time in your life, you have walked into a library, and at no point did you walk into a library and discovered their books were shelved by release date, with the most recent books up front, and then row after row of bookshelf going back through the stacks all the way to the beginning book they put in the library. Of course not. That's a terrible way to manage library content. Think for a moment about the last time you were at a restaurant and you looked at the menu. Now, that menu, as many of you know, is not a complete list of everything the chef knows how to make. Nor is it, in many cases, all that indicative of only what you can order. I like to order off menu all the time. Think about the last time you were in a clothing store and you saw the racks and racks of clothes they had out for you to look at. You know that there's a warehouse in the back, right? More sizes, sometimes even more styles. And of course, that's connected to a distribution center with all sorts of things which are not available in that store. So what I'm talking about is utilizing an RSS feed to differentiate between content you want to display right now to someone and content for other purposes, content for the archives, content for the back stuff. Right now, we have this mind that RSS feeds should be complete. It should have the entire show in it. But I'm wondering if that's right. Maybe the solution is to do something different. Maybe it's multiple RSS feeds for a show. I know you're thinking about the confusion that might ensue, but, but bear with me. I think I have a solution for the confusion. Maybe the main RSS feed that you have is current, and it's where you're always going to publish new episodes. It's certainly the one that you promote. It's the one you link to from your website. It's the one that you mail to people. It's the feed that powers the show. Anybody brand new should be listening to this feed. But do you need to have 300 episodes in that feed? I don't think you do. I think you can have other feeds. Yeah, multiple feeds for your show, for people who want to get other content. Again, the primary feed, the primary feed. What do you want people to listen to right now? What is the important stuff that's out there? Not just the most recent episode, but, you know, a, a catalog of stuff people can listen to because you want it easy for them to go back and listen to some. But remember, once you get past some, a dozen, it becomes very arduous to scroll back and scroll back and scroll back. It's just, sorry, podcast apps aren't designed for going back and looking at older content. They're just not. So what if you do this? What if you make your main feed, which has, and I think the easy way to do it is your current season, if in fact you're using seasons. And if you're not using seasons, then make it the current year, 2020. As of this recording, we have just started our fifth month into 2020, so if you release weekly shows, you should have a dozen or so episodes 
You got several. You got a lot. You got enough to make a feed worthwhile. Maybe that's what goes in your main RSS feed. And then maybe you make another RSS feed that is your archive. Or actually, what if there are lots of different RSS feeds that are your archives? I mean, take this show for a moment, Podcast Pontifications. What if the main show was still called Podcast Pontifications? But then I had a secondary feed listed in all the podcast directories and maybe linked on my website, but probably hidden somewhere in an archive section. Maybe that feed is Podcast Pontifications Archive Season 1. And the 120 or so shows I did in Season 1 are there. And just the shows from Season 2 are in Podcast Pontifications. See, in my case, because I do my show by seasons, I don't think I'd use the year-long tag. I think I'd just, at the beginning of a year, continue on my current feed. I'm not making a new feed. I don't want to lose people. So my main feed is always my most current stuff. But then the other stuff gets moved to one of the archive feeds. And I produce a new archive feed and publish it to all the different directories. Maybe if it's not by seasons or years, maybe it's by what you did. Like when my wife and I were traveling around the world, maybe we have a feed that's called the Opportunistic Travelers Archive, the Thailand years, 2016 to 2018. That's descriptive enough. People would know what they're getting. And the best thing, we can do all this with current existing architecture and infrastructure. We don't need to change the way RSS feeds or podcast clients or anything really work in order to make this happen. I'm thinking about this. In fact, I'm thinking about doing it. Want to join me? Let's see how this can work out. Hey, one thing real quick. Tell someone you know about this show. Your word of mouth, your personal recommendation goes a long way. And if you really want to help me, go to buymeacoffee.com slash evoterra and slide a couple of bucks of support to the show on a regular basis. I shall be back tomorrow with yet another podcast pontifications. Cheers! While Americans overwhelmingly support the right of an individual to make their own decisions about abortion, unfortunately... That right is no longer protected everywhere in the U.S. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24th. Abortion is a basic health care need for the millions of people who can become pregnant. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical procedures shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortion.com. That's donations, the number four, abortion.com.
If you or someone you know needs help, or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to take a stand against abortion restrictions. Three, Abortion.Cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, PlanCPills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word.